It's wine harvest season. Wine harvest is running from late August to early November here in Georgia. And at eatthistours.com, I'm running some pretty special, authentic family root belly harvest tours. I've only got seven of these running this year. And we actually are going to go out in small groups, seven to 12 people per group, and harvest with the family and their friends and help them make their wines for the season, followed by a big feast or supra, as our regular listeners will know hosted by the winemaker. So we're going to have dinner with the family. A lot of the time, the harvest experiences that are available to tourists involve turning up to sort of like a larger winery and simulating the harvest just for fun, uh, which is also great. And we do run those types of tours because not everybody can turn up on the exact days that winemakers are harvesting. And the tours that we run are weather dependent, whereas those ones you can just turn up no matter what and you can book them in advance. But if you actually have the flexibility to attend the real harvest, then it's much better than a simulation because you're actually helping the family make their wine. So get on the wait list now as we've actually only got very limited space for these. They're very exclusive small group tours. I said we don't run a lot of them and the dates are weather dependent and it's a little bit tricky. So get on the wait list so we can make sure we can actually sort that out. Go to eatthistours.com slash harvest for the full details about those tours and pictures and everything else. Hope to see you on one of them. I'm going to be on some of those myself. Otherwise, our Georgian guides are going to be there to help you Enjoy your Supra and wine harvest experience. Kamajoba! This is the Tbilisi podcast covering life, travel and more in the country of Georgia. Brought to you by foodfundtravel.com, expathub.ge and eatthistours.com. In this episode, the top 10 Georgian foods you have to try on your visit to Georgia. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Tbilisi Podcast, a show about life and travel in Tbilisi and Georgia. I'm Meg. Hi. I am uh, the owner of the podcast. And I also run a blog called foodfuntravel.com that uh, I've got quite a few uh, articles on. Quite a few. Quite a few articles on. A lot on Georgia and other food-related things around the world. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm pretty excited about doing a food episode. Who yeah. are you? Uh, it's Tom here from Food Fun Travel. Oh, sorry. <laughs> old, old podcasts. <laughs> it's Tom here from eatthistours.com and expathub.ge. And uh, so, of course, when it comes to Georgian food, I am also someone who is incredibly passionate about lots of different dishes. And in this episode, uh, we're going to go into the top 10, though. We're going to go into the, like, the, the ones you have to try, the yeah. ones you're going to be able to find relatively easy, the ones that you, you've just got to do. If you're coming here, you can't skip these. Uh, whereas there are lots of very rare, unique dishes that are hard to track down that we also love to discover. And we might talk about some of those in another episode a little bit later on. Uh, and that's sort of the that's some of the stuff that we put on our tours as well. We normally have a mixture of the the really classic, well known dishes, and we also have some very obscure dishes, so that people get to try a bit of a mix. But those obscure dishes are not things you're just going to find at an average restaurant in Tbilisi. So let's do the top ten. Let's, let's stick with the the obvious ones first, so well, people can just get a general I still idea. I think I think ten is a good thing because you say obvious, but I think there's probably maybe like three obvious dishes that if you that's true if you've heard of Georgia, you you might have possibly heard about, or if you'd perhaps been lucky enough to find a Georgian restaurant overseas. I know there's like some in London and New York and 
uh, a few different ones around. They are popping up all over the place they these are. days. It's awesome. Uh, but yeah, I think there's maybe like three main ones that people know, and we're going to do ten. So that's you know, the, yeah. I think there'll be a few in there that you know, unless you've been to Georgia, you know, you might not know about. Yeah, for sure. All right, so we'll start with the three really obvious ones, I guess, for the for the novices here who haven't really had any Georgian cuisine. Okay, let's just jump in uh, with my absolute favourite. This is a dish I don't think I could ever get sick of, and I've eaten a lot of it, and I just want more. And it is kinkali. Of course it is. What's yeah. kinkali, Meg? Uh, kinkali is from God. <laughs> That's, that is a fair point. Uh, <laughs> if any food is from God, kinkali would be on the list. It is a soup-filled dumpling. Like the most traditional one, you'll have a meat dumpling with soup. Uh, so it would be a mix of beef and pork traditionally. Uh, and you can have that with or without herbs, depending on the style that you choose to have. But traditionally, a kinkali is a, a meat dumpling with soup in it. So you <laughs> slap it up. Yeah, uh, I like to describe this uh, in a very particular way. It's about the size of a five-year-old's fist. <laughs> it's a large, large dumpling. Uh, it's not your regular little dumplings uh, like you might get Japanese dumplings little or whatever. Koiza. It's uh, more similar in size to Xiaolongbao. If you've had that, yeah. Which is the Chinese version, but whether they are connected at all is, is probably completely contested. But the root of the two may or may not be from Mongolia. Uh, we, we don't I know haven't for sure. done my research yet, but I think no. that is a podcast episode in the oh, making. Yes. I think sure. we'll do a King Carly podcast episode one day. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's a lot, uh, and a lot of the history of it's a little bit, I don't know, a bit obscure. Not for sure what, uh, what actually happened. But yeah, uh, King Carly, it's full. It, like when we say it's a soup dumpling, what we mean is it's a soupy dumpling. Like it has a big load of uh, minced meat in it, mixed with some herbs sometimes, depending on what type you get. Uh, the classic style is pretty much just meat with salt and pepper, but uh, then they have little additions, like some have a, a bit of sort of cumin in them, perhaps. Some chili. have a bit of chili. I like the chili ones. Fresh chopped chili, uh, cilantro, coriander is often added. That's the, the calicuri style, where they have two types of herbs. And uh, that's the urban style. It's very popular in the cities. Uh, but the original mountain style, the classic, is just pretty much meat. But it's great because what they do is they mix some water with this minced meat. So like imagine they're, they're making like a beef patty mix. They're mixing that all up in a pan. But then they add a bunch of water to it. And that's what then creates the soup. Because all of the meat when it cooks, when they boil the kinkali whole inside this dumpling, uh, the, the juices from the water that you put in mix with the actual juices of the meat to turn it into an amazing stocky soupy flavor. Yeah, so that's why actually doing a kinkali making class can be quite tricky sometimes because you've got to balance the time that you need and also, well, balance the liquid as well, like literally balance, uh, so it doesn't fall out the sides. But also you can't let it sit in the, the dough for too long because it will just sort of leak through. So I don't know, it's a very delicate process of actually getting kinkali right. You need and to make the dough nice and dry. Don't make a wet dough for this. It needs to be a very dry dough. Yeah. That's one of the secrets. Uh, one of the good things is with kinkali is it does actually come in many flavors. One, as we said, the meat ones are probably are the standard traditional ones, but today you can also get uh, potato and cheese ones. You can get just cheese ones, which I love. And cheese cottage ones. cheese ones. Cottage cheese ones. Mushroom ones are really popular for vegetarians. Uh, you can also get dessert ones that have, and these are really not traditional at all, but you can find some around town that have like cherries on the inside or 
I think there's some Nutella ones getting around. Oh, there is some very crazy variations going on. Anything goes now these days. Yeah. I like the spinach-filled ones, actually, creamy spinach-filled ones. They're not traditional in any sense, but no. they're great. I had a Kinkali the other day that was filled with tiny little Kinkalis. How's that? So, yeah, like a giant Kinkali. It's called the Mother Kinkali. It's and like it's full of baby Kinkalis. Yeah, it's like Data Kinkali or something. Yeah, that's awesome. There's some video somewhere of that, right? It's on our Instagram. I did a reel of it. It's fantastic. Nice. Yes, that's very fun. Um, so, yeah, you can go everything from the absolute classic basic versions with just meat uh, that you'll find in every roadside stop throughout Georgia, especially into the mountain areas. Or you can come into Tbilisi and start having more and more fancy, uh, unexpected versions. We're seeing versions now where, you know, they'll do the kinkali in a sauce. So they'll, they'll make like a creamy white wine sauce and then they'll mm. just dunk a few kinkali in that, which are maybe stuffed with something else rather than just being standard meat ones. Put some other sort of flavors in them. So it's anything goes with these. I mean, of course, because it's dumplings. Uh, and dumplings, as we know, is one of the most popular foods around the planet. I mean, you've got pierogies, you've got ravioli, you've, you've got uh, so many different types of dumplings around Buzz. the planet. Yeah, buzz is the Mongolian version. So, yeah, of course, it's versatile. And the chefs around here are making some very good use of the fact that it's versatile and coming up with some amazing new variations. Yep. And basically, my rule is never say no to Kinkali. I, and I won't. I still, I just, I well, you can't get should never say no to your first Kinkali. Um, maybe after you've had about 20 and they're still bringing more out, you might want to say no. They do come out in giant plates. You'll see, I think there's a minimum, generally most places there'll be a minimum order of five. But if you see a bunch of Georgians sitting at a table and they order Kinkali, you're looking at like 20, 30, 50 on a plate coming out. Yeah. What was the most that you ever ordered? Uh, 150. That's cool. That was quite a big group. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, Definitely cool. And there's just plate after plate, massive plates of these things. Um, and they are filling. As I said, they're the size of a child's fist. Yep. So they are actually quite big dumplings. And five or six of these for a regular adult, you're probably going to be quite full after that. Uh, for a Georgian adult, uh, yeah, 20 each. Sure, why not? Why <laughs> they not? seem to be able to put them away. I don't know how they do it. Also, we should remember to tell everybody that if you can't eat all of your kinkali, that's fine because actually the whole process of eating kinkali is like over the night and you have like a whole bunch of cha-cha or vodka or whatever you're drinking. And, you know, what you can do is if the kinkali goes a little bit cold, you actually can send it back to the kitchen and they will pan fry the remaining kinkali so it gets nice and crispy and then it comes back and you've got it fresh again and it's like a whole new meal. Yeah, because then been, it's crispy rather oh, than soft so boiled. Good. Yeah. So anyway, we'll talk about Kinkali and all of the different associated fun parts of that in another episode dedicated Definitely. to Kinkali, I think. Mm. What else is on the food list? Okay, well, we can't do a Georgian food list without talking about kachapuri. Well, kachapuri. Kachapuri. It is probably the most famous cheesy bread that has come out of Georgia. Uh, particularly, you'll see a lot of Instagram accounts promoting the ajaruli kachapuri, which is the boat-shaped one. But there's actually a few different styles of kachapuri that you lot. can get here. Tom, tell us a few of your favorites. Well, yeah, so the uh, ajarian one is the one you'll have seen in all the pictures, uh, and it has a egg right in the middle. And some might say it has a little bit of a relation in shape to uh, pide, which is the Turkish style cheesy bread. Yeah. But um, whether it is related to that or not, we don't know. But uh, that region of Ajara is right on the border with Turkey. And that could have been inspired by that. Although some stories say it was inspired by the shape of a boat. And that was it. <laughs> 
It's just they had boats, they're on the coast, and that's what inspired the shape. Fair enough. I don't know. We don't know for sure which it was. Uh, yeah, so I do really like that one. It is very heavy. That one is very full very of cheese. Heavy. I mean, it tends it's to come in and... a few different sizes depending on how. Usually, honest. Let's be honest. I only ever order it if I'm hungover. So, depending on your level of hangover, <laughs> depends on how big you might want to order one. Pro tip with the Ajarian: uh, what you can do is you can ask them not to fill the sides of the boat with bread. So they make the sides hollow rather than full, and then it's mm. a lot less bread. But there is still so. So much cheese. It's a lot of cheese, like, and then there's an egg, and then sometimes butter. they just yep. Uh, when you say sometimes, you mean always. Slab they cut off butter. a slab of butter from the end and just throw it on the bread. Yeah. Uh, in fact, all pretty much all Kachapuris have some sort of butter element at the end, where they either rub butter all over the top of the bread, or yeah, they they cut a bit off and throw it on the bread. So yeah, that's good. Uh, another one I really like is the Magrelian style Kachapuri, which is from Samagrello in Western Georgia as well. And this one is sort of like a double cheese kachapuri. It's almost so, like the pizza. Yeah, say. you could say if anyone was going to try and compare kachapuri pizza. to pizza, which they shouldn't, because as far Different. as we're aware, there is no actual like historical connection to the two. Kachapuri uh, could have been around long before pizza, because pizza only came around in the 18th century well, as it was. But basically also pizza is a, a bread that you put ingredients on top, where kachapuri definitely is like the cheese is on the inside of the bread. Well, yes, but that's the difference with the Magrelian kachapuri is that they stuff the bread with cottage cheese and then they grate like sorghum over the top. Uh, and that's what, yeah. But I mean, let's say pizza is not normally stuffed. I mean, exactly. we, we know we have like crusts, uh, stuffed crust pizza these that's days, but that's a very, thing. very new thing. Yeah. Uh, so we have no idea for sure if there's any connection, but all the research we've done in the past and most people, uh, apart from some very uh, lax researchers who are just going like, yeah, it looks a bit like a pizza. Sure, it's it's pizza. Uh, it's not. Uh, we have absolutely no evidence that it's related to pizza or was brought from Italy in the 18th century. Uh, that this doesn't make any sense at the nah. moment. Um, other types, uh, one that you will not find everywhere that's not really a classic variety, but you get it in some uh, special restaurants, is the, the royal kachapuri. That is dirty. Now, that is a, like a Magrelian kachapuri, but what they do is they bake it first uh, so the, the sort of the grated cheese on the top starts to go a bit crispy. And then about halfway through the baking process, they literally slice eight slabs of sulguni and slap that on top so that that, instead of getting really crispy and hard, that cheese just goes all gooey and melty like the inside of a toasted mm. cheese sandwich. So that is then three levels of cheesy awesome. And that is very unhealthy. I mean, one slice of that and you're quite full already. Yeah, but it's, it's pretty awesome to try. It is tasty. It is. No, no, nothing for the lactose intolerant people here. I'm sorry. You're going to have to wait for other meals that we're coming up with later. This is not a meal for those with a, with a bit of an iffy belly. Yeah. Uh, then you've got some other different variations in, uh, in Svaneti, which is a mountain region in the northwest. They actually put uh, cannabis seeds in with this. Mm -hmm. So um, not active ingredients as such, but they use, um, they use seeds from the cannabis plant. And that's quite interesting. Gives a sort of speckled appearance to the khachapuri. Mm. Uh, in Guria, also in West Georgia, they put egg sometimes inside with the cheese. Yes. Like boiled egg. And then, of so course, the Imeretian one. The Imeretian one is sort of like the most simple one. It's just yeah. bread stuffed with cottage cheese and then flattened and baked on a pan. And that's the one you'll find pretty much like on every street corner. If you want to pick up a snack, you'll go to the, you know, the khachapuri window and you can just get... It is the most typical. Yep. Uh, but then on top of that, there's even some sort of almost khachapuris, which are like made with pastry instead. But uh, some Georgians may argue as to whether that's actually called khachapuri, but I've seen it labeled as khachapuri before. Maybe that's just for tourists. 
Um, but yeah, there's lots of different styles. Um, there's also one where it's stuffed with cheesy potato as well. So that's, that's also very good. That's uh, regarded as being from the Assetia region, South Assetia, uh, which is an occupied part of Georgia at the moment. But that, uh, that one's made around the area as well. So that's Hashpuri. Uh, come eat it. Whichever variety you eat, I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. If you want the absolute classic that every Georgian eats uh, regularly, the, the Emiratian is the least heavy. Sort of, if you can call Hachapuri a least heavy dish in any sense, but out of all of the ones that you can get, the Emiratian one's the, the lightest one, and then the, the, Ajuri, the Ajaruli or the, uh, the Queen's version, the Royal Hachapuri are the two most decadent ones. All right, probably the third most popular food item from Georgia that you might have heard of. We're going to jump straight to dessert here, and this is uh, Churchkella. I think if you see pictures from Georgia, you might have seen pictures of Churchkella hanging because it's colourful and interesting. It makes you go, ooh, what's that? So, yeah, this is uh, essentially the juice from the wine harvest, sorry, the juice from the grape harvest. They take the juice, they boil it for a while to concentrate it, and then they mix it with flour to thicken it. And then into that gooey paste, they put a stringed walnuts. They put a string of walnuts. So they just put walnuts on a string, pretty simple. And then they dip it in there, they roll it around a bit to get as much of that it's gooey stuff like on it. It's waxing a candle, if yeah. you think of that process. You're like dipping candle wax in that's like got nuts on it. It's, it's almost like the same process of making a candle, but pretty you're much. doing it with tasty wine extras. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you don't use the juice to make wine, then you use it to make this. And so this is a very, 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 very popular dessert. This is by far the most famous dessert food that Georgia has. And Georgia's not big on desserts. No. So this is really one of the only typical desserts that you see everywhere. It's I mean, also a great snack. They do have some other grape-related desserts like pelamushi, mm -hmm. which is basically just the grape juice um, sort of thickened a little bit. So the same sort of grape juice, but not going hard. Whereas what they do with this, with the church keller, is they leave them to dry and hang for a few days so that the, it turns into a, a hard surface, like, like a sort of rubbery hard surface. This is actually really delicious. I mean, this is all natural. There's no, uh, like all natural sugars. There's no sugar added to it, so it's not super sweet. And it's actually a really, really nice end of meal thing that not being overly sweet and just being, yeah, without any artificial sugar is great. Mm. Uh, but yeah, you can see them hanging everywhere. They do come in a variety of qualities, if that sentence makes sense. Yes. Uh, yeah, basically the ones that you're going to get closer to the, the actual vineyards out in the Kakeri region or in Imereti, like if people are making them there, uh, you're going to get a better version than what you're going to get from the supermarket. Um, I, I think it comes down to like a softness. Like I think the ones you get at the shops is just like it's a bit hard and a bit well, rubbery. It, but it the, can be because they've left it out. It's been there for a long time. Yeah. So it goes harder and harder over time. Yeah. So they're left hanging in the open air. Uh, if they're not looked after properly, they get harder a bit quicker, I believe. Yeah, I think you'll definitely see the difference if you just pick one up at the shops or like on the street side walking around and you try that compared to if you're in someone's home and you try one that their family made. You're like, oh, OK, this is very, very different. Yeah, actually get them whilst you're at someone's home winery and uh, they can be by far the best. And that's that's really like fully homemade, which is awesome. All right, moving into dishes that maybe are not as popular, not as heard of. I mean, as popular, like, internet-wise. Uh, not as famous, you not mean. Not as famous. Internationally. Yeah, these are still crazy popular in Georgia, don't get me wrong. All right, so we're going to move into the world of Mitzvati. Oh, yeah. Yep. Pork. 
barbecued pork. <laughs> yeah. So this is, uh, I mean, this is an everywhere Georgia dish, but Cajeti region, the wine region in the east, is sort of seen as the... I don't know what they think the, they're pigs. It's just the pork is sensational. There is a lot of pigs being reared there and... It's sort of like, it would almost be an insult to your friends and family if you cooked up pork that wasn't entirely fresh, like fresh that day, just just straight off the pig. So that's pretty much what happens. And Karketi is sort of most famous for this dish, even though it's served everywhere. It's served, in, it's served in pretty much every restaurant around the country. It's very hard to go to any traditional restaurant and not have this dish would be very strange indeed. Very strange, uh, yeah. It's done to a varying degree of quality, depending on who you go to. Uh, and some people like to do it a little bit more fancy, some people don't. Uh, so the classic version of this is so unbelievably simple. It's just you put salt with chopped up pieces of pork, and they have to be good chunky pieces of pork, really mm-hmm. big pieces. With the fat still on. With some fat still on, with some bones still on, typically. I mean, the var- there's so many different varieties. You don't have to do that. Some people do uh, tenderloin pork as well for it. Like You can use any cut, but the really classic Carcadian version of this is going to be like chunky, chunky pieces with bits of bone. And that means you've got really, really delicious um, bite-off-the-bone meat bits, which are the best parts of the pork. And then the second most important element of this is the way it's cooked. So the type of barbecue they do is, is hot and fast. So what they get is they get the old branches from the vines. So at the end of the year, once you've picked all the grapes, there's lots of vines that have to be trimmed. They trim all of this. And all these really thin bits of wood, they're, they're dried out after the season. And then they burn really fast and really hot. So they get a big bunch of these and they set them on fire and then they spread everything out so that it's all even. And then they just put all the pork on there. And by the time the pork's finished cooking, you know, that's pretty much the end of the cooking cycle. So it's pretty much, yeah, one batch. You cook everything at once. You, you cook like 10, 20 skewers of pork at once. Let it all burn out. Let it finish cooking. And then if you want to cook more, you set more wood on fire. So it's not like a long, slow, typical barbecue. It is just hot and fast. The outside goes a little crispy. The fat sort of browns up and goes really tasty and bubbly crispy. And then the inside still stays juicy because it hasn't been cooking for ages and drying out or anything like that. And yeah, I don't know. It's like it's in their blood. They're taught from birth how to cook this barbecue meat perfectly. And it's just one of the best versions of barbecue pork I've ever had. Yep. Pair that with your favorite tamale which is a plum sauce. Kamali. 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 Sour plum sauce really cuts through the fat it's in the phenomenal. pork. It's great. Amazing. Yeah. I, oh my God, I love it so much. And so if you really want to do this in the way it should be done, instead of having it in a restaurant in Tbilisi, you want to go out somewhere in wine country to a winery, home winery, and just in their garden or in the, in the actually between the vines, like out the back of their garden where their vines are and actually just cook it up there and just eat it. With some shoddy bread, just some regular mm-hmm. uh, Tonus Puri, the, the fresh regular bread they have here. It's just Georgian bread. Amazing. All right. Well, let's just move straight into Tonus Puri. Yeah, that's the next one on the list. Yeah. So basically, uh, yeah, you can call it Tonus Puri, but most people will just refer to it as shoddy bread. It's just, honestly, it's like your standard table bread. If you're at a restaurant and you order bread, you're going to get your shoddy bread. Standard in Georgia, but it's anything but standard by worldwide standards. I think it's one of the best breads I've had. Baguette and shoddy bread, basically my top two types of classic bread. Mm -hmm. Obviously, there's lots of fancy new breads and special variations of bread. And pizza could be classed as bread as well, which I love. But just for a a table bread, 
Baguette and shoddy bread are the two top breads I've had around the world. The thing that makes this really unique is that it's not uh, cooked in a conventional oven. It's cooked in a tone that you will see. You can go to, well, there's actually little, if you pay attention when you're walking around Tbilisi, there are little basement stalls. Like or hole even, in the wall, like literally a hole in the, wall. in the wall. We're not just talking about a small place. We literally mean a hole. There's a window yep. that opens and that's where the bread is. Yeah. If you can smell good bread smells, that's where it's coming from. And yeah, you can just walk up. I know the prices have gone up now. I think you're looking at 120, 130 gel for... Like 50 cents. Yeah, for a Tonus Puri. Which is a whole bread for 50 cents. It's still very affordable. Yeah. And once again, you're looking at, uh, for the standard... You're looking at still similar to that boat shape. They make that boat shape again, but it's not hollowed out in any way. It's like a solid boat shape and they slap it across the side of that Tone oven and cook it up like really, really hot. If you've ever tried to put the bread on the side of one of those ovens, you're like, whoa, that's so much hotter than I expected it to be. People drop it the first time they try to do it. I totally did. Yeah. Yeah. So the Tone oven is a sunken style. Well, it doesn't have to be sunken. It, it can also be just a floor level. It's like it, similar it's low. to a tandoori oven, if you've ever seen that. Except a tandoori oven is quite uh, slim, whereas these are quite wide normally. I mean, mm. they come in different shapes and sizes, really, but they're round for a start. So the bread that you get always has a sort of, um, a sort of an arch to it because it was put in a round oven and it was stuck to the side of a round oven. So it keeps that sort of rounded shape, part of that rounded shape. Um, and the shapes of bread do vary. So as Meg said, there was like, uh, there's sort of one that's a bit like a boat shape, more like a Viking longboat shape. It's, it's a really long bread, but it's got sort of that curved um, sides to it. Uh, that's the Karkedian style. Uh, other people from other parts of the country sometimes make it in other shapes. Uh, in Tbilisi, it's quite often have it a bit more rounded. And some of the places also do a version that looks a bit more like the Ajarian uh, Kachpuri that we're talking about, which is sort of like a big round boat with little ends. I did actually do some research on this and I don't know where it's gone, come to think of it. I'm going to have to look it up and we can do a whole episode on the Tonus Puri. Yeah, could do. I think I wrote a script for it and now I have to find it. Well, mm. anyway, for this episode, it's just a highlight. So essentially what I love about this bread, and I think one of the reasons it's one of my top choices is because it's always made fresh every day. You're, this is not packet bread. No, this you, you is can't very eat fresh. it day after. It just it won't be good. The majority of the time when you buy it and you walk into the store, it is always still hot. Like 90% mm. of the time, it has come out of the oven within the last 45 minutes or so because they're just continuously making bread all the time, which yep. is great. Uh, it's a little crispy on the outside, especially the base, because that's stuck to the stone wall of the Tone oven. Uh, but then nice and soft and fluffy on the inside. So it's a, it's a good density of bread it's not like airy fairy not good phrase news it's not like airy soft fluffy bread it's sort of like a dense fluffy bread which i love and it's a bit salty as well mm-hmm. they do yes, put a decent is. amount of salt in here so yeah. for any salt lovers which if you're coming to georgia you better like a bit of salt because you're not going to be able to avoid it uh then this type of bread is fantastic flavor let's talk about things that you can eat with this bread well mutsvadi for a start Oh, yeah, it's great in what's funny. So what they do, I'm going the... from a segue into another segue. I'm segueing from my segue. Ah, well, from, from the segue of the segue before the segue. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Mutsvadi, one of the ways they do this is they have it on the skewer. The pork skewer is put on the barbecue. And when it comes off the barbecue, instead of removing the pork from the skewer with a fork or something, they just use the bread. And then the person who gets to eat the piece of bread that was to use to remove all the pork is the luckiest person at the table because it's just covered in lard, basically. 
and meat drippings. Fantastic. It's also really good if they just lay the skewers on some of the bread and then it just sort of soaks up all that fat, that delicious, awesome, awesome fat. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. But yes, uh, something a little bit more vegetarian that oh. is also very tasty with shoddy bread. It is your piccali. Piccali. Fantastic food. Yeah, this is uh, this is a fen- essentially sort of like a vegetable uh, pate mixed with walnuts. That's a good way to explain it. Yeah. Yeah, it's got the sort of texture of pate, but it's got walnuts in it as well. So it's got a little bit of crunch. But this is like ground walnuts, not uh, chunky bits of walnut. It's like sort of like mildly ground, not into a powder, but into oh, that's sort of That's one thing about powder. coming to Georgia. You will actually be surprised at the numerous ways that they can use walnuts. So many. So many, and it's delicious. Yeah. So all of these different pâtés are made from different types of vegetables. So, I mean, I like the pumpkin one. I think pumpkin piccali is really good. Yes, beetroot I like the piccali, beetroot. Yep. Big fan. Uh, spinach is probably the most popular one. I think we see that the most. And then you've got some sort of less famous ones uh, that are used maybe not as often. Uh, cabbage is quite popular version of this uh, from the Kaziki region, which is near Signagi. And also you can have a version with leeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also something else which I think most people would not describe as pakali, uh, but I don't think it's on this list for today, but it's a more obscure food, uh, is akala, which is basically made in the same way. And it's sort of like a wild spinach root type of thing. It's a, it's a very specific type of green. Very seasonal. Very too. seasonal and not very well known. But here it's called akala. And if you ask for that, that would come normally by itself. But yeah, it's sort of from the same table family as as any of the bacalis that you'd order, you could end up having that on a bacali plate depending on the season and depending on the chef and what they want to put on the plate. Yeah, really great option for vegetarians and very filling if you're having it with the bread. It's, it's fantastic. A really great starter dish. Uh, another really awesome starter dish. It's also dish. vegan. Oh, ve- it is. It is vegan as that well. So it's just, it's just nuts and vegetables, basically. Yeah, excellent. Another really awesome starter dish, which I cannot pronounce, which is going to be really embarrassing, but this is a you know a running thing for me. Uh, it's the Nigviziani Badrigiani. Oh my goodness! Th- uh, this is really hard. I really struggle with really this. It's really hard. It's the walnut stuffed eggplant rolls. And I have to apologize to everybody who has told me that before recording an episode that they will actually tell me the pronunciations and I haven't taken you up. I am so sorry (laughs) and I will start doing it now. (laughs) I literally don't think that even if you were told this in advance that like an hour later when we actually record it that you'd be able to do it. This one is really, really hard. Uh, Nigviziani Badrigiani. uh, The walnut stuffed eggplant rolls. What they're delicious. They, yeah. Oh, no, they're great. Um, so what they do is they take slices, long slices of eggplant. So like you take the entire eggplant pretty much, unless it's a very big one and, and then it's like half. Uh, and then you slice it long ways rather than width ways so that you have long, long strips. And then you fry these strips in oil, probably in sunflower oil, because that is what is very popular here, uh, especially if it's virgin sunflower oil, even better. Uh, and then once they're fried, you stuff them with walnut paste. So walnuts coming into play again. Well, you roll them up. You do, yes. Yeah. So, like, it's more like a roll-up. Yeah. Uh, um, now, I can hear people across the world saying, but I hate eggplant. Ugh, it's gross. What do you say to that, Tom? Well, I say that I love it a lot more since coming here. Uh, I mean, I never loved it before, but I never hated it before. It just was never something on my wish list eggplant, for Eggplant, not this dinner. dish. Yeah, no, eggplant, yeah. eggplant specifically. But the way this is done, I don't know, it just works. It is something really special. I've 
it, it is really funny. Uh, there's a couple of things that I've had people say to me that they never consumed before they came to Georgia. So one of them is eggplants. People are like, I never liked eggplant before I came to Georgia. But now I'm like, wow, this is actually really good. Another thing is white wine. I've had, we were those people. We're like, I don't really like white wine that much. And now we drink like loads of white wine. And by white wine, we don't just mean amber wine, which we've probably, if you've listened to other episodes, you know, is the very special version of Georgian white wine with uh, with uh, the skins left in the so that it goes skin amber, contact. skin yeah. contact. Uh, we're actually talking about Georgian white wine, which is Georgian wine made in the European style without skin contact, but made with Georgian grapes and made in the Georgian style. And we've sort of gone, wow, hang on, this sort know. of white wine. Maybe it's a thing that we've more. matured with age. And I so therefore know. we're celebrating and, you know, enjoying more flavors of wine. But Who knows? I don't know, before we were just really red wine drinkers. And since coming to Georgia, we're like, you know what, I'll take it all. Yeah, pretty much every wine in Georgia, every style, uh, I have an appreciation for a lot more than I used to. Uh, so, which is great. Uh, so, yeah, the eggplant walnut, though, it's impossible to pronounce. But if you call it eggplant walnut, then anyone in a restaurant's going to know what you're ordering. I know what you're talking about. So you'll get what this dish is. Uh, I think the origins of this, there's some argument that it might be more Persian uh, related, hmm. but it has been done into the Georgian style. Uh, so now it's very much a, a very, very specific uh, Georgian dish and a very, very popular and on pretty much any sort of main restaurant menu for any traditional restaurant. Now, I'm going to add in this next dish because while it is a dish that we actually all do thoroughly enjoy, it's usually the one we order because we're trying to pretend that we're adults and don't just order junk food. We shouldn't call all of those dishes we just described junk food. We're, we're saying some of the dishes we just had described are, I mean, they're relatively heavy. Uh, yeah, even bakali, which is much healthier. It's still got a lot of nuts in it. So it's quite a lot of cal- calories, but it's very healthy calories. But you know how when you order like a whole bunch of food... Okay, I, I shouldn't say junk food. That's that's the wrong way that to say it. That would definitely be the w- wrong way no, of saying it. That's the wrong way to say it. When you, when you order a whole bunch of food, you don't feel like you're being very grown up if you don't order a salad. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's true. what I mean. You've got to order something really healthy along with your meal. Exactly. Because then you're like, oh, we should be adults and we should order a salad. But this salad is actually really good. So we're sticking with the theme of the walnut paste. And they actually do a really simple salad. It is, and this is, okay. In particular, you have to have this in the summer when the pink tomatoes are at their juiciest and ripest Mm -hmm. because this salad with Georgian pink tomatoes will absolutely rock your world. And if you've never had pink tomatoes, because I don't know how many countries they actually are typical in, not really in England so much. I've never had them before I came here. The pink tomatoes here are so, so good. So good. If, If you don't really like tomato, it's going to change your whole world on tomatoes. Yeah. Like Literally, you can go to the market, buy a kilo of tomatoes and just sit and da- sit down and eat them like they're apples. They're really That's good. how good they are. But uh, a basic Georgian salad, you're looking at uh, quarters of tomato. Big chunky big pieces. Chunk- uh, big chunky pieces of cucumber. Yep. Uh, then you're going to have your walnut paste and you might have a chili on top. Yep, and a little bit of onion. Bit of onion as well. And that's yeah. it. Bada bing, bada boom. It's actually phenomenal. Uh, occasionally in the summer months as well, they will add in purple basil. Yeah. Which is really tasty as well. Even other times of the year. Like, it, yeah, sure. It's seasonal, so it exists more during the summer and it's more common. But, you know, you could be getting purple basil most of the year. Yeah. And that gives it this sort of peppery, sharp flavor, which is fabulous. 
Uh, but otherwise, you might be getting parsley and coriander on the salads. Yeah. But it's a very, very simple salad, but with, and you can have it with or without the walnut paste. I prefer it with. Um, well, the alternative is virgin carquette and sunflower oil. Which is also delicious. But the thing that I find that's an issue that tourists will miss is that inside the city, like in Old Tbilisi, a lot of the restaurants uh, cut their costs by using regular supermarket sunflower oil. And without the full virgin uh, sunflower, without the full virgin sunflower oil, the flavour is completely missing. Yeah. Then the oil doesn't really make any difference to the dish. Then it's just oily. Yeah, it's just oily. Yeah. So I mean, it's still fine because the vegetables, uh, the salad vegetables, are fresh. So it's going to be good pretty much no matter where you buy the salad. But yeah, if they're not using the proper virgin sunflower oil, you lose a lot of the sort of smoky. It's like smoky flavour from that sort of oil when it's proper. Mm. Really, really good. Uh, but yeah, a nice, healthy, once again, vegetarian, vegan option for people to have. A lot of people, I'll just do a little disclaimer here. A lot of people thinking coming to Georgia that it is just all meat and cheese and it's not very vegetarian, vegan friendly. Uh, vegan can be a little bit more tricky, I will admit, but there are more and more vegan options and people are becoming more aware of people requiring vegan options. Uh, so it is more of a thing. But vegetarian, they have a fasting menu here and that is is a vegetarian menu. So vegetarian is very, very easy to accommodate. Vegan a little bit more tricky, but they're becoming much, much more uh, open to it. Yeah. And if you're vegan, uh, nut allergy and gluten free, uh, probably not the right place to come on a vacation. I, I wouldn't choose it. You're going to be stuck to about four or five dishes for the whole country and you're going to be eating the same thing every day. So, Because there's like lots of surprises with Georgian food. You don't think, you don't know what's in it. Uh, another dish we might talk about shortly, uh, Lobio. That is the next dish. That's the next dish. Uh, this quite often mostly has ground walnuts in it as well. So as we said, walnuts can be used for so many things and using it for thickening the sauce of the Lobio is something. So yeah, all right, let's talk about Lobio. Okay, Lobio is beans in a pot. That is the basic definition of it. So it is vegan, but it is not uh, nut-free. So yeah. Uh, but quite often as well with Lobio, they will use racha ham, which is a very salty sort of cured ham from the racha region in I northwest mean, Georgia. I mean, with or without. They don't... Yeah. They'll let you know if there's racha ham well, in it. Because no, racha ham isn't that cheap. They might let you know if you ask, or the menu might say it. But if you're in a more of like a country restaurant where, you know, the restaurant hasn't really translated the menu fully into English or anything, it'll just say beans, you cannot assume that there's no ham in it. Oh, right. There probably isn't, like, but there, there sometimes is. And, I mean, for me as someone who likes racha ham, I think it's much better with ham in it. Now, when we say beans, we mean kidney beans. So it's yeah, kidney something beans. Something along those lines, yeah. That uh, sort of that, style. Yeah, so it's like a salty kidney bean stew almost that are ba that's baked in a pot. Now, for me, I personally like it a little less runny. There's different – obviously – you know, depending on the different families you go to, they all make it in their own different style, also different restaurants, different styles. I like it a little bit thicker, uh, not so runny, but there are also runny versions and people might prefer that. It's really just like your own preference. Um, but it's a saucy beans. Saucy beans. Yeah, saucy beans. A with Saucy beans. It is saucy. Uh, it's <laughs> got, the, yeah, they'll put things like, I said, walnut, ground walnut in there. Um, cumin, perhaps, uh, some coriander and cilantro some as well. chili. Yeah, sometimes some little chopped up bits of fresh chili mm. as well. Very good. And then, yeah, thickened sauce. So also this is something, if you are a celiac, then this might have flour in it. Uh, so the walnut paste. You can ask. Sometimes it is corn flour that they sometimes. use. Um, 
but uh, not guaranteed. I would definitely ask before consuming if you do have issues with uh, being a celiac. Yeah, but uh, delicious, umptious. This is comfort food. Uh, it's so mountain good comfort in the food. winter. And then you have your fresh tonus puri on the side, your shoddy bread, and you're just scooping up those beans with your fresh bread and sticking it straight in your big old mouth, and it's delicious. Yep, yep, yep. Love it. All right, let's move on to our final dish. Can you believe we've got through them all already? Wow. So, yeah, I mean, we've had some pretty classic dishes so far, but what have you saved for number 10? We have saved the chicken shukmaruli. So another ratchan dish. Yeah. So, I mean, although lobio is sort of national, it's also with ratcha ham specifically, it's very much a ratchan dish. And shukmaruli is is definitely a ratchan dish because it is from the village of Shukmeri which is uh, sort of on the border of Ratchur up in the mountains on the south side. Uh, you drive straight past there on the new road. There's a, it, well, it used to be very hard to get to. So it used to be if you wanted to go to this, this village with this special chicken dish, uh, which is cooked in, in milk and garlic, very, very garlicky, really, really you garlicky. You do not want to be kissing anyone that is no. not also eating with you that night. Exactly. You don't eat this on a date. This no. is not first date food. So it used to be really hard to get there because you had to go through the old road, which is pretty windy, through the mountains, down into the valleys of Ratcha, through Amber Lowry, and then, and then north, and then along the, the sort of valley road, and then back up the side of the mountain. And this, this road to Shukmari was basically a dead end. So once, there's nothing to go up there apart from to go for Shukmurali. That's the only reason to go there. That's awesome. Uh, but the brand new road, which is actually really great, uh, really good condition, has cut down the time to get to Ratcha from Tbilisi from like four and a half hours to three hours. Uh, that road now goes straight through Shukmeri. So you will see it. You will see the sign for it. Now, the best restaurant to eat Shukmeri in Shukmeri? Couldn't tell you. Mm. Couldn't tell you. Well, I would tell you it would be someone's house. Well, it wouldn't going, be a restaurant. Yeah, some, someone's grandma's making the best one, that's for sure. But we are going back to Ratcha this year, so maybe we can try a couple and uh, see if we can find a good few yeah, places. Maybe we will. Maybe we will. But uh, what's happened with this dish is it's sort of expanded itself uh, as it has grown more popular around the country. So the original was obviously a very sort of cheap mountain food where, yeah, some milk, uh, lots of garlic, chicken from the garden. Uh, like, yeah, you'd have your home chickens running around up there in the mountains. And, and that's pretty much it. You, you roast the chicken or fry the chicken separately so the skin goes nice and crispy. And then you cook up the, the garlic sauce with the milk separately. And then it's quite a thin sauce. That's sort of like the, the classic, a cheap peasant's version of it. Yeah. But the, like the city versions of it now, they're using cream. Uh, they're making it really fancy. Maybe they're putting some extra spices in there. And um, yeah, just making it a little bit more exciting and a little bit more, uh, yeah, fusion-y. Not fusion-y, but a little bit more uh, elevated. Refined, shall we Refined. Say. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if you come down to uh, the old town and you want to have a good shukmurali, Shavi uh, Lomi was also was always very good. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've heard different stories from them since COVID, but uh, the shukmurali there used to be very good. And uh, yeah. Basically, so my opinion of a good shukmurali is if you can keep the chicken nice and crispy while still being in that sauce. That's it. That's the, the key. The skin should stick out the top. Mm-hmm. So the chicken is sort of semi-submerged from the non-skin side. And it's chicken pieces on the bone, by the way. This is not chicken fillet or something like this. This yeah. is just, you get a whole village chicken out of your backyard and that whole chicken is just cut up and put in this dish. That's yep, yep. the dish. Uh, and I've seen some pretty big versions of this where, yeah, like like massive, massive dish, whole, whole chicken. Uh, really good. But yeah, smaller versions in the city as well. And it's actually better when it's not as meaty. 
This is another little secret with Georgian cuisine. The real village chickens are scrawny because they run around the farm all day. The big, fat, plump chickens are lacking in flavour and they've been sitting in a factory, yeah. So if you're looking for the best, uh, you want to get the chicken that has far less meat on the bone. It's less meat, but it's a lot tastier meat. And one of the good things in Georgia still, though, is they're quite clear about this on menus. They will call it village chicken. So, you know, like, and you'll see the price is different as well. The village chicken will be like 15, 20% more expensive than just chicken. So you do actually have that opportunity and you will know the difference if they bring out a big plump chicken and they've called it village chicken. You could be sending it back to them going, uh, no. It's exactly the same as like, you know, if you buy eggs from the store or if you get eggs from a, you know, an actual like from your mate down the street. Well, I say mate down the street. My parents' neighbors have chickens. So that's what I mean by that. Then we just go and get some fresh eggs. And the even now living here in Georgia, um, our our baby boy's nanny brings us in fresh eggs from her village as well. And the difference in the color, like if you know, you know, like the difference in the color, the difference in the flavor is just yeah. tenfold. It's Out insane. of this world. Yeah. Uh, the reason for this is the sort of diet that the chickens have. If they're eating wild, uh, like, uh, like little worms and, and those sorts of things, uh, they get a certain substance. I can't remember the name of it, but it causes the orange color in the eggs, apparently. Ah. Did some research for this for a client once uh, because they said, we'll pay you <laughs> to find out where we actually get the best proper organic eggs. Uh, and one of the reasons why we know they're organic is because they will be more orange if they're grass fed and if they're actually wild foraging rather than eating um, food from a packet. And this is apparently why. There you go. But I can't remember the name of the well, exact that's chemical. Why when I made a sponge cake the other day, it came out basically orange. Yes. Yep. It's great. So those sorts of eggs, though, amazingly, you can actually get them from some of the better uh, stores in Tbilisi. You can they actually have tell individual them. eggs. You just buy the individual farm eggs. Yeah. There'll just be a big bowl of eggs yep. in the middle of the store and you go and pick out how many you want. And they're called village eggs. And yeah, sure. There is inconsistency in the quality of the village eggs between stores. You can't guarantee every place is good. But once you've been somewhere and had good ones, you know you're getting good ones. I mean, I think the main thing is just to make sure, as you probably should be doing in your own home countries anyway, is checking every single egg that you use. You put it in the cup of water and if it floats, it's bad. And if it sinks, it's good. Well, I wasn't really talking about the whether the eggs are off or not. I mean, just like you can't always tell if they're going to have yellow yolks or orange yolks oh, well, that's true. because some of the stores will call them village eggs and they're not really village eggs because the licensing laws here don't really force people to disclose this stuff properly. So they can put whatever label on it they want to some extent, as far as I'm aware. Mm. And yeah, so you don't always know, but you try. You try them once and if they're the real deal, then you just keep going back to that place. And back to what I said before, I mean, I very rarely had a funky egg here. No, no. I mean, they are coming in fresh mm. and there is a lot of turnover, so they get eaten. Yep. This is great. People buy fresh here. People just buy fresh. Fresh and seasonal is how Georgia works. Yep. So if you do come here, uh, there are certain things that we did mention in this list that pretty much you can have all year round. Uh, most of them, That's actually. Sorry. Yeah, you can Tell have them boring. all year round. The the Pakali will will vary by season depending on what's available. Um but pretty much everything else is pretty good to go. But you the do salad have to, is not as good in the winter. It's not as good because it's often but it's still imported available. from Turkey. Like yeah, yeah, salad pieces from Turkey. So that's another. We'll talk about this in another episode about things that you can and cannot get uh, grocery wise and all of that sort of stuff. Living here in Georgia. The main thing to realize is that it is a country that is very seasonal. Uh, it is farm to table. 
pretty yeah. much. So, you know, you've just got to eat what's in season. We just had cherry, strawberry, blueberry, raspberry season, and it's very sad that it's going. I'm crying, but you yeah. know, it'll be back next year, and I look forward to it again. Yeah, yeah, always something to look forward to all year round. Because as the cherries disappear, the melons appear, and you know, and then oh, the, the melons are great. Apples right and grapes are coming soon. Like it, it's all peaches it's all are happening. in right now. Peaches are always good. Nectarines are coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, the thing about seasonal fresh, it has an excitement. It's to always it. it's always got an excitement, but also the fact that you just know that that produce is grown locally, not imported, and that it's going to taste better. It just always tastes better when it's in season. And because it's not heavily intensive farm factory, um, factory farmed, it does mean that most of the time it really has a lot more flavor. And that's why a lot of the food in Georgia is better. It's not necessarily because the dishes are more complicated. It's just because the ingredients are fresher. Yep. And that's all you need. Yep. All right. Top 10. So top 10 from that top 10, what is your favorite dish? Oh, kinkali. Duh. Yeah, it's still kinkali. Always. Yeah. yeah. You couldn't get through the 10 and change your mind. No, no. I love kinkali so freaking much. So, so, so much. Uh, second is definitely, I would say, pakali. I'm uh-huh. a big pakali fan. Give me some pakali and bread. like, Because there's a variety. You just get like that nice variety, a little bit of everything. Yeah. It's nice and light. Um, I don't know. I like pakali. Oh, and then I, I like mitzvati. Give me some tasty crispy yeah. pork as well. I mean, as simple as it is, Mitzvati is one of my favorites. And as I mentioned earlier, but didn't really go into, there are some more sort of upper class versions of this, some special variations that people do. Uh, you might marinate the pork first in pomegranate juice. Oh. And it's, that's really good because it sort of tenderizes a little bit and it gives us a sort of more uh, moist flavor to everything and like softness. It's, yeah, really good. Um, but then it still goes nice and crispy on the outside. Or sometimes people use white wine. And another thing that they do here when they're cooking that I didn't mention uh, with Mitzvati is they have uh, white wine in a bottle and they will spray white wine onto the, the barbecue so that the steam from the white wine steam cooks the Mitzvati. That's quite an important part of the process for a lot of people when they're cooking it. Uh, so yeah, you're both roasting and steaming at the same time. Mm-mm-mm. And it, yeah, it does add some sort of just hint of of Georgian wonder to it because Georgian wine, Georgian pork and Georgian vine leaves and storks, sorry, Georgian vine storks used uh, to actually cook everything. It's all just straight from the land. It's great. All right. Well, hopefully we have made you incredibly hungry with that episode. And if you are planning a trip to Tbilisi, coming up very soon in one of our future episodes, we're doing the best Georgian traditional restaurants that you can eat at in Tbilisi. So we've spoken about all this food. Very shortly, we're going to be telling you where to go eat it. Coming up in a future episode of the Tbilisi podcast. Uh, In the meantime, please remember to subscribe and rate the show. Give it a little review. Five stars. We would absolutely love it. We really, really, really enjoy doing this show and we really hope you guys enjoyed listening to it. So if you do, please leave us five star review wherever you're listening to it right now and it will help other people find the show. Yeah. And these dishes that we've mentioned in today's show are all really easy to find. Uh, You will find them anywhere in Tbilisi, but we are going to talk about those restaurants that we think are the better ones in the next episode. But if you want to find some more obscure food and you want to get out to wine country, meet a winemaker and actually cook pork in his back garden and have by far the best pork you're going to have in Georgia. Or try and make kankali for yourself. Or try and make kankali yourself. uh, 19 folds. 19 folds is the most perfect kankali you can make. Yeah, that concertinaed concertinaed top of the kankali when you're folding around everything. That's, That's what makes it. It's like a little... A little parcel 
little present parcel that's all wrapped up with a little dough bow. <laughs> but yeah, uh, jump on eatthistours.com. Uh, basically, all of our tours involve some sort of special food experience and a meet the winemaker experience. That's literally what our, our MO is for this. This is every single tour that you do that's from our, our main list of tours is going to have something like this. And yeah, you're almost certainly going to get to have pork mitzvahdi somewhere because uh, well, it's, yeah. it's just guaranteed that uh, one of our winemakers is going to make that for you. So yeah, jump on, uh, book in a tour with us. It'd be great. Uh, that's it for this episode. So guess we'll see you next time. Point. Thanks for listening to the Tbilisi Podcast. Connect with us at tbilisipodcast.com where you can find all relevant social media links, join our email newsletter, and discover more about travel, tours, and expat services in Georgia. This show was brought to you by foodfundtravel.com, expathub.ge, and eatthistours.com.